This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Investor Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their stories so we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Sorry, sometimes that happens. Uh, today, I've got an awesome guest, Aaron Gaunt. He and I are in a mutual mastermind, The Collective Genius. He's doing uh, a seven-figure wholesaling business. out of. He lives out of uh, Temecula, California. He's going to be here to talk a little bit about some of the things he's doing with podcasting, his, his wholesaling business, and how he thinks about his solvable problems. So it's awesome to have you here today, Aaron. Welcome in. Oh, man, Paul, thank you so much for having me on this uh, great podcast that you got going on. Yeah, man. So let's jump right in. Uh, we always like to start by getting a six-word update from our guests. So what's your six-word update today? Great question. Uh, so my six-word update to describe pretty much myself, and, and I would say a lot of uh, people in this space, but for me, it's going to be God, husband, father, business. I love it. God, husband, father, business. So uh, I'm just going to make note of that because I don't want to forget all those things because we're going to touch on all those things. So uh, first thing you mentioned is God. So that, that must be the, the most important thing to you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The cool thing is my, I have a, we go, we attend church right around our corner from our office here. Uh, we're getting really involved. Um, when my wife, me and my wife got married, uh, she actually wasn't a believer. Then she actually gave her life to Jesus Christ here. Um, kind of starting, you know, our marriage off right. Um, yeah. Every night before I go to my, my number one prayer is that God makes me a godly husband, godly father. Um, yeah. So everything that we do is going to be to, you know, give him glory. That's awesome, man. So I know that your wife is pregnant and you guys got a kid on the way. And I, this is a great segue into the whole concept of the solvable problem, which is like, what are we doing here in business? You know, we, a lot of us entrepreneurs, we just start erring on the side of, well, we need to make some money. Right. But, but ultimately that money and these businesses, they're tools to help us live the life that we want to get to the place in life that we want. And so um, maybe talk to me a little bit about how you think of that, uh, how you think about your business and your, and your different things that you do and how that they help you get closer to these things that you mentioned here. I love the, so when, when, uh, when you asked me to be on this podcast, it was great. You have these very specific questions to dig us deeper into your guests. And one of them is that solvable problem. Uh, and I would say that I'm going to have that in the testimony to how I got into real estate. Is it okay if I tell you a little bit about my testimony? Absolutely, man. Please do. Now, I know we kind of start off a little religious, but it's not going to be the testimony is not really religious, but it's the testimony of what created, what gets me closer to my solvable problem. So about three years ago, so I've been in the business for three years now. And before that, I was a fireman down in San Diego. Um, I came out here at the time and I met a young lady uh, we actually, you know, we started dating. So I was a fireman. Actually, let me back it up. I was a fireman in Texas, came to San Diego. I was kind of in this like party phase, or whatever. Came to San Diego, met this young lady. Uh, we dated for a very short period of time and I got her pregnant. Um, and right off the bat, I said, Hey, I'm going to be a father. Now I'm not here to bash this person or anything, but uh, long story short, she decided that um, she didn't want me in the, the child's life. Matter of fact, it didn't seem like she actually wanted the baby at all. And so what she did in that meantime, she actually, um, she fled the state. She had, uh, while in labor, she tried to give her up, up for adoption at the time for, I got, I mean, this is a writing, $5,000. 
And the, the list goes on. I don't need to bore you with all that information, but you guys got to get the hint. Um, well, in that time, even while she was still pregnant, I decided to um, take her to court and very, very peacefully just say, hey, I'm going to be a father in my daughter's life. And so what at that time, I knew I needed an attorney. And we all know attorneys are very, very expensive, especially with this kind of case that was coming up. Well, I was still at the fire department, probably making about eighty to ninety thousand dollars a year. Nothing too crazy. If I had overtime, obviously a hundred thousand. Um, but I knew that my bills were going to start racking up, and I needed to uh, make some money. So I decided to, uh, you know, ask that number one question: How can I get more funds? How can I get more money to support this and to support this battle to be in my daughter's life? Um, and I look back. I, so also, I was in the service. I was in the Navy um, for eight years. And while I was in the service, while we go on these deployments, we used to pass around these books, right? And uh, so when we're on deployment, uh, if you got done with the book, you pass it to your shipmate on a rack and you just, you know, you're reading your book. And one of those books that got passed around, believe it or not, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The purple book. <laughs> it was a great book. Um, I thought, wow, this is a great book. It was impactful for about 10 minutes. Um, my why, my solvable problem wasn't big at that time. So what I do is I just continued on with my life, um, didn't do anything, got back from deployment, whatever, right? Well, I looked, I thought, I thought back and I said, man, I'm going to read that book because realist, I, for some reason, I thought real estate was going to be the key to get me more money to help me fight in this custody battle. So I picked up the book, I reread it, and then I said, okay, but how can I, how can I get in real estate without no money? What do we all do? Google um, wholesaling came up, hmm. and in that time, um, I got into a coaching program, um, Wholesale Inc. Matter of fact, great, great coaching program. Put it on a credit card. Imagine, remember, I'm in debt, but I put it in a credit card because I knew I needed to do this. Uh, about two months later, um, I got my first deal. It was about $20,000. And long story short, that's how I got into the business. And my solvable problem was to fight for my daughter. And guess what? Today, I do have full custody, full physical, full legal. My daughter is in my life full time. And now I am married to a beautiful woman who supported me through day one. And me and my wife now have a son on the way. Um, he should he should actually be due, gosh, any week now. So that wow. is my solvable problem. Because of this business, I was able to be a full-time father and now an amazing husband. At least I try to be an amazing husband every day. That's incredible. That's a cool story. Um, I didn't know that about you. Um, and so you were a firefighter and that's gotta be a really like, you know, I know what it's like to not have enough money to fund the things that you want to do. Right. And that's what attracts a lot of us to real estate. I mean, you mm -hmm. had some very like, you know, meaningful reasons why you wanted to fund these different things. And so, uh, you got started in wholesaling and that's grown into a seven figure business. What year was that approximately when you started doing that? So what is it? 2023. So I think the beginning of two 2020 uh, is when I really started uh, taking action on it. Mm. And as you, and I'm not a fireman anymore. So I took this full time after my third deal. Um, <laughs> after my third deal, I, it was like a, the largest deal I've, I had at that time. And that was a $55,000 deal. I had a coach at the time and he actually looked at me and he called me and said, hey, you got this deal coming up. You should actually quit your job and um, do this full time. And I said, I looked at my girlfriend, my wife at the time, and she actually looked at me and said, you know what? That actually makes sense. We should totally do that. Wow. And uh, 
Well, long story short, I actually, uh, before it closed, I went to the app bay where all the ambulances engines are hanging out. Right. And I was sitting there and I was waiting. It was the day of closing and I was refreshing my, my phone. I was refreshing my phone, waiting for that $55,000 to hit my account. Right. Literally more than half of my annual wage already. And then once it hit my account, I went off to the chief's office and I sat down with the chief and I said, Hey, um, put in my two weeks notice. Um, they already knew I was like, hey, I, I'd always get like chewed out because I was working on my business there and, <laughs> and uh, put my two weeks notice in. And then I went full time and never looked back. And yeah, we live a beautiful life now. That's awesome, man. Tell me more about the business now. What does it look like now? Yeah. So what we have now. Um, so, you know, this would be, we just finished our third year. This is, we're going on to our fourth uh, right now. I mean, at the top of the, so I'm the CEO. My wife is now COO. She kind of handles two sides of the business. And we talked about this earlier too. Like, I know we're going to get into like investments and my investment is in myself, my family and my business. We're not necessarily buying real estate at the moment. We're focusing solely on to making this a eight figure business. We are going to start buying properties at the end of this year, beginning of next year though. But in the meantime, we want to make sure that we have that. And it's actually what Leon said and it's something that stuck with me is make sure you, or was it Jason, make sure you have a high active income to produce a high, you know, um, passive income. And so that's kind of what I want to focus on. I want to make sure our high active income is just so ginormous that we're going to start now focusing on buying high mass, uh, massive passive income. So our business right now is a two-sider. We have our sales side, we have our fulfillment side, just like any wholesale business. Our sales side uh, consists of two acquisition managers. We're actually going to um, boost that up now. So we're getting coaching. We actually just hired Rend um, to coach us to really, you know, make that seven-figure business annually to seven figures a month, right? And so we want to build that sales team up. Our fulfillment side has a TC, our dispo, and we have a bunch of VAs as well. Um, we have people that help out with the dispo side where they're call, calling um, cash buyers. We have lead managers that go through our database, calling all the leads and waking them up and doing live transfers. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for now. Well, seven figures a year after three years or so, you know, is, is, is extremely impressive and to go work on that, to get to eight figures. But you said something that I think is really um, insightful. There's a lot of people in, in entrepreneurship that struggle with, the shiny object syndrome, you know, chasing every opportunity that's out there <clears throat> doesn't seem like you, well, maybe we all probably struggle with that to some degree, but like what you're doing is you're doubling down to make your, your actual active business where you seem to get the majority of your income right now, you're doubling down to make that more reliable before you start doing things like buying, you know, real estate and doing, you know, other, there's a million ways to make money in real estate. So how are you able to stay focused on that with all these shiny objects around? <laughs> right. I think that's the number one advice that I give people is, um, you know, focus on one thing. And what I did prior when I was at the fire department, I read a crap ton of books. I still read a bunch of books, but I felt like I had a lot more time at the fire department. I had a lot of downtime. So I'd go to my room, I'd read a bunch of books. And one of the books I read was The One Thing, right, by Gary Keller. Um, changed my life and it made me think, Folk, you need to focus on this. And one thing about real estate, and the amazing thing about real estate is there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. You know, in one transaction, you got like 10 people involved, right? Making some type of some type of uh, piece of the deal, right? 
Well, that was my thing. And that's what me and my wife keep talking about. Let's focus on one thing because here in the wholesale business, as simple as it is, it can get complicated when you talk about really developing your systems and processes, making sure your sales team is fully up to date, um, hiring, right? They're firing. There's so much that goes into actually running that business. Uh, we want to make sure it's flawless and that, and, and for example, that whole reason why I started our podcast is because we saw that dip in the market. We saw a bunch of people who weren't training on their skills go off to the wayside, unfortunately. But if the people, for the, all the people that have stayed within, we've seen that upswing already, right? Buyers are buying again, and, and we're, we're just so happy that we decided to kick butt during that time. And I mean, we're, yeah, we're, having, we're seeing our best months yet. <clears throat> That's, that's so cool to hear. Um, and the one thing, you know, I've heard it described as the 80-20 principle. You know, there's all these different ways to think about it. Gary Keller describes it as the one thing because it's like, just focus on that one thing first inside of our certainty operating system uh, in this in our book, Rigging the Game, that we draw a lot of the, the concepts for this. He describes it as like, stop trying to maximize for everything and go optimize for the most important thing. So it's this mm -hmm. idea of maximizing versus optimizing that that requires a massive amount of clarity. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. You got to know what you're actually trying to solve for here. And, and really what is the highest leverage point here uh, at CG? I, I heard another just amazing phrase that I've been using since then there's Christina Kraus. I don't think you were at this event, um, but she said, Chew the food that's in your mouth first before you start hmm. shoving more in. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I was like, ooh, that hits me right in the heart. Like that's that is the struggle that a lot of us entrepreneurs deal with. The ones who can stay focused are the ones that seem to do the to, to do really well. Hundred percent. You know, that's the funny, and I think that I was about to touch on it. I totally went over it, but Right. One thing about real estate is you can go into so many different things. And what we see people do is they want to get into creative. They want to get into land. They want to get into wholesale, buy-in, fixing, flipping, coaching, and all this other stuff. And they want to do all these things, but you haven't even made a million dollars in your first uh, objective, right? Focus on one thing. I mean, especially, I, I, you know, and also if you want to go buy rentals, make sure you're kicking butt and buying rentals. Really focus on, you know, raising, how, how are you going to raise private money? How are you going to, um, you know, get that rental portfolio, make those goals? I mean, I have whiteboards all around my office, constantly jotting down goals and making sure we fall up on those goals, looking at those goals um, and making sure. And I like, like I said, like you said, what's your solvable problem, right? And making sure you have this North Star. Uh, but Again, in real estate, please focus on one thing until at least until like a point, right? Now that now that we have a pretty pretty nice wholesale business, but we still have this like level of business that we want to get to in our wholesale game, we're able to break off a little bit. We're able to do a little bit of creative, um, you know, with innovations and uh, owner finance up to it. And the funny thing is, when we get these deals, like we just geez, blasted out five deals today that were all creative, right? But we're wholesaling them. Isn't that funny, right? I'm sure a lot of people, uh, as your guests, would probably be like, oh, you just keep them. Well, we want to wholesale them. We want to uh, focus on that. And then we'll start bringing them down and stuff like that. At, like I said, at the end of the year, a lot of times, the reason why we're going to start buying properties at the end of this year is because to offset our taxes. But Well, I got a couple of uh, questions I want to ask you based on what you just said there. Like, how are you defining? Well, let me back up for a second. One of the things I've realized, mistakes that I've made in the past, is not defining the rules ahead of time, you know, we'll just, mm. we'll start playing these games and then we're just sort of like making up the rules as we go. Right. Um, and so what I've started doing is trying to define ahead of time, 
here's how I'm going to take profit in this business. Here's when I'm going to do this thing. I'm not going to scale until I hit these predefined targets, right? We're just, we're not going to just make it up as we go. So how have you defined these, you know, these targets ahead of time? And what does that look like for you where you're like, okay, when we get to this point, then we're going to start doing something else. Right. No, that's, that's huge. You know, I mean, a lot, you know, we, um, you set these goals and sometimes you'll hit that goal and then you realize there's that next, uh, that next scale, right? That, okay, well, we're good. Let's go, let's go on to the next. Um, what we want to see is a certain amount in our bank account. I would say, um, like I said, we want to, um, have a full on team where I could sit back in the owner box where, and then I could focus on rental properties. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, we, we want to be able to make, um, yeah, we do have a specific number that we do want to make, but the cool thing with, I was just telling my best bud about this is, and I'm getting a little off track, but the cool thing about when you set that additional goal and like, and I tell, and I tell my buddy, we want to make X million this year. And the, it's not really the number that matters. It's literally just the goal that makes me want to get there. Right. It makes, I and mentally, I know I need to get better. So by pushing that, that, you know, that ceiling up, I know I have to better myself to get there. That's the whole purpose of getting there. Right. Cause you know, we're, we live comfortably now, but uh, I don't know if that answered your question, but. Well, it, it, it does in the sense that there's a, you've probably defined a number that you need to see either in your bank account or something like that. And until that happens, we're not doing the next thing. Um, mm -hmm. I've found that that stuff is helpful for me to stay focused on not trying to do a million things all at once. It's like, we, we've got to get this thing to this point before we're allowed to do anything else. I've made this rule for myself this year. Paul, you are not allowed to start any more businesses. Like, <laughs> not going to happen. In fact, you probably need to cut a few things out of your life. Um, you know, it's just like, we're all biased towards a certain thing. Some of us are biased towards, yeah, that shiny object syndrome. Some of us are biased towards just, you know, chasing more and not seeing optionality when it presents itself. Um, let me ask you another question. What is the importance in playing your game, you know, and like aligning with your unique preferences, your unique skill sets, and how do you stay focused on playing your game when there's so many, so many other people like talking about all these other things and all these other games that could be played? I think that goes along in, uh, with fixing and flipping uh, a lot. And I, and I say that because I've had so many people get into my ear and say, Hey, you need to fix and flip. You need to fix and flip. You know, we get these mat, you know, if we're wholesale, right. We're getting these massive deals that are under, on, you know, at a super discount. So everybody keeps, you know, talking about your fix and flip, fix and flip. I'm just using this as an example. Cause you know, you could do it with a hundred different things. And I've always said, and the cool thing is that me and my wife are on the same page. And that's something I just went to a recent mastermind too, is I took this back to make sure we were on the same page is that we have this idea that, you know, where we want to be at in our business before we do anything else. And if we know that if we decided to veer off of the path that we are already on, that one, the wholesale business, the current business is going to see a dip. We don't have anything in place to fix and flip because we all know to, to fix, flip, fix and flip a property. You need um, systems and processes for that, right? You need um, certain team members in that, you know, you got, you got to have, there's all these things that you need to do. I mean, since business in itself, and I'll be honest, we don't have anything set up to do that. Now we could, if we wanted to 
try a fix and flip property and and have a good time with it and fail, not fail, whatever. But then again, it's still going to, it's still going to bring our wholesale business down a little bit where we know that if we could just, cause our system and processes are getting better weekly. We're constantly, today I had a fantastic conversation with my dispositions um, team and, and how we got to make sure I was actually just telling, again, I'm just, I'm just kind of rambling right now, but when I, when I say that, how complicated a, a, thing, a process can get, you know, it could really get, pro, you know, you want, cause there's always like fires going on. Right. Um, but I had a conversation with my dispositions team today and, you know, we were talking about, you know, cause they wanted to cancel a property because they couldn't sell it like that, you know, throw it on investor lift, cancel it. Well, anyways, I said, hold on, before we cancel a property, I want to make sure a couple of things, have we exhausted all options to serve the seller to, uh, make you and your family profit, and then to make the company profit. And I said, before anytime you come to me and, and say, we're going to cancel this uh, property, I'm going to ask you those questions. And then I gave him a checklist, and I, which I thought was already there, but I realized because my focus was somewhere else, um, I came back and we had a huge meeting and I gave him, geez, probably 20 different checkoff boxes. And I said, we got to do this, 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 and this. And that once you've done all these checkoff boxes to make sure that you've got this property in front of as many eyes as possible, then you could say, Aaron, it wasn't a deal. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, the reason I had, the reason I stayed focused is because me and my wife are have the, the same mindset and we have the same vision. And that's what I think. I think it's so important to make sure that you and your spouse are always on the same page. Um, and the reason why I haven't gone so many different places, because gosh, we're making so much too much, you know, we're making a good amount of money in our, in our current business. There's no reason for me to go and try to, and to try to do a bunch of different businesses. And we've seen this even with, um, huge billionaires that have, have built such massive empires is that they were focused on like Warren Buffett focused on stocks, people that focused solely on real estate. If you just focus on one thing and then perfect that one thing, you'll become rich. Yeah. I need to take that advice. I'm telling you, it's like, it's part of, it's just like part of what the majority of us entrepreneurs struggle with is just, you know, the, the fact that I can do this doesn't necessarily mean that you should do this. Exactly. Um, yeah. I say that too. Like if we tomorrow wanted to do fix and flip, but you better best believe it's, we're only going to focus on fix and flip and we're going to kick ass at it. Right. But we're not going to do that. We don't want to do that. I feel like kind of like your barbell thing that's going to come up. I feel like there's way too much risk in that. And I like that we're able to sell pieces of paper for 30, 50, 100 grand monthly, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're trying to grow this business from seven figures to eight figures. And there's got to be this, you know, I was I would assume that there's this big balance. That's a significantly bigger business than I run um, on the wholesale side. And I'm curious how you balance like building in more because you've mentioned systems and processes. So clearly that is the, that's the, what's needed in order to grow, but how do you balance like, and I, and I'm, I'm getting at something that uh, we talk about, we call it the rule of three and 10. And this was a guy named uh, uh, the, the founder of Rakuten the company Rakuten. He said basically that every time your business triples, or increases by an order of magnitude of 10, everything breaks. Hmm. So what got you from 300,000 to a million is going to, it's going to break when you get to a million, it's probably going to break again at 3 million and potentially break again at 9 million. Um, that was really insightful for me because I started uh, realizing like this is fairly predictable. 
when the systems might fail. And as you continue to grow, you need to be aware like that is a phenomenon that exists in the majority of businesses. So I guess I'm curious, how do you navigate that building additional reliability, but also keeping your head up so that as your business is growing, again, it's going to break at a certain point. And you're going to have to then readjust and build reliability into that. So how do you handle this like ping-ponging back and forth? Yeah, coaching and mentorship, right? Uh, do, you know, learning from people who've done it or done it already. Uh, and it's funny. I, so I went to a mastermind. I just got back from it. I went, it was a little two-day thing. It was fun. And I had a lot of guys who were making good money on their own small teams and stuff like that. And I had a lot of people tell me, man, I don't want a big team. I don't want a big team. I don't want to handle all that, all the sales people and stuff. Well, it was funny. I felt like I was the only guy in the room was like, I want that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, at my height of it, we were at four acquisition guys. And matter of fact, I, I would like, um, I would like to get to it. Cause I'm working on myself to be the best leader I can at this moment. I'm reading leadership books. I'm getting leadership trainings. Um, cause I want to make sure I'm able to lead my team into, um, you know, into those breakable, uh, moments. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right. There are these like barriers, these ceilings that a lot of us hit. Right. I feel like, you know, where you, you get your first deal, then you get your first hundred grand and then you get your, uh, your first million in a year. And it was funny. I, you know, Steve Trang, I know you're a good buddy with him and you do a lot of podcasts, but he does these little chips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, when I first started, I got all of his chips, submitted them. And I, <laughs> so I got them right there on my bookshelf, but again, it was, it was kind of cool. Cause it was those little, little steps. Right. And, um, but yeah, when you first million to second million, right. To, to eight figures. Right. And so you, you're, you're absolutely right. Things break constantly and you got to keep revamping your systems and process to make you know get them there and all and what they tell you too is that the people who got you to the first million the, the three million right they're not gonna be the same people that are gonna get you to the 10 million right mm -hmm. um hopefully you can make them into such people they could but um again it comes back to so what i think it is it's going to be coaching i think it's going to be somebody who has stepped in that position now i could obviously learn um on my own to get it there. Right. But it's going to take us, uh, it's going to take a lot of failing forward, a lot of mistakes, a lot of losing, a lot of money to get my butt there. And it, it, you and most people probably listen to this right now know that it's literally just going to pay somebody who's already been there. And like I said earlier today, we, uh, and I've had coaches since day one coaches, um, coaching programs. I've had a mentor, one mentor all year, uh, my second year, into this. Um, and now I want to have, now we just, uh, brought Rand Bartlett, great, great guy, um, onto being our one-on-one -on -one mentor to get us to uh, the next level. Mm. You feel like you have to find the, is, is the same coach that gets you your first deal, the same coach that gets you your million, your first million is the same coach that gets you to eight figures. Are those the same coaches typically? Man, that's a great question, dude. <laughs> and I would have to say it could be, and it could not, could not be right. It could, you know, cause I'll be honest uh, that one of our coaches um, that got us that did our one-on-one -on -one mentorship and he is one of my best buds. He, he was actually our fishing at our wedding. And, but to be honest, we actually did more than him in assignment fees in this business than last year. But I think it was because he was focused on other things, but he got us to a certain point where we needed to go. And now we're, you know, we are past him and the wholesaling business, he's doing other cool things on the side, which is fantastic. But now I need to find a coach that obviously is doing a lot more than we are. Mm -hmm. Well, so the title of this podcast is called The Investor Frame. And the investor frame essentially says, knowing what I know now, 
would I choose to opt back in to this situation? Another way of saying that is like, well, as you're growing this business, it's, you know, we get attached to our decisions. We get attached to things, you know, it's like, I like to say, it's like calling your baby ugly, you know, like no one wants to call <laughs> their baby ugly. You know, mm -hmm. we, we, we have this, this little thing, but then it gets to a certain point in the growth of the business. And you, you have to be like, you know what, knowing what I know now, things have to change. And it doesn't exactly get like easier as you go. I guess you get better mm -hmm. at it. But what was that process like for you as you grow? You have to you have to like detach from the 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 uh, decisions that you made before because yeah, they got you to a certain point, but they're not going to get you to the next point. So how have you dealt with that obsession? Literally obsession, and it's the whole reason why how we keep getting better and better at our one thing that we uh, we keep talking about. And, um, and as a matter of fact, a lot of people that have worked for me in my company have tried this business and didn't really get that far. And, and that's fine. So they, they realized that being the owner and being somebody who works in a business are totally, totally two different things. Right. And I had one of my good buddies who does work for me still. And he's a fantastic individual. I love this guy, but he looked at me and he says, I don't, he actually made the most money he's ever made in our company last year. And he has a big goal for this year as well. But he looks at me, he's like, you know, I tried this. He's like, but I do not have the obsession that you have to make this work, this one thing work. And that's kind of where I'm all, I'm, I'm at, right? I'm constantly thinking about my solvable problem. How can I be the best dad? How can I be the best husband by making sure that my business is in it? And you're right. And this business is to make also, also me feel fulfilled as well. It's given me something to better myself every day to reach the goals that I have in the business uh, work. So it's just, it's just, it's obsession, man. If, if you could be obsessed by making yourself better and by making your business better. And again, not even the other people around you. And I used to, I think we all had that problem, right? I'd always look at other people and say, oh, they're doing better. They're doing better. And my wife would always tell me, you know, you're doing fine. Yeah. You're doing fine. Matter, and I mean, you know, we make this amount of money and it's like, you know, sometimes we have to take a step back and look back and say, you know what? And think about when I was at the fire department and in debt and all that. Right. And I'm thinking, all I'm thinking about is, but these guys are way over here. Why can't I be over there? Right. That's where I need to be at. Right. So you're constantly can't, you're constantly chasing that carrot. Um, but I feel like this year I've come at peace with that. And I'm actually, um, embracing that and now trying to add more value to others, which has given me way more fulfillment by also creating um, this business where I want to share my journey and get into eight figures, right? Um, and like I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book, right? I'm, I'll give anything away, whatever, whatever goes on in our business. Um, I'll tell you how we did it, how we, how we're gonna get there. We're actually gonna throw a probably free event here shortly. I've had like five requests. Um, to come in our office to, to give my team lunch and all this. And, and I decided to, well, I was like, that's too much. You know, we, we, we're doing too many other things right now. We, you know, we got to make sure we're still focused on, on doing deals and stuff like that. That I'm, I think I'm just going to throw an event and just to open up the doors and show everybody what we do to how we got to where we're going. So obsession. I love it. <laughs> and obsession is like, well, there's no choice. You know, it's not like, it's not like, well, should I or shouldn't I? When you become obsessed with something, there really is no choice. You have to do these things. Um, you have to make these hard decisions. There just there is no choice. No plan B. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, and so I do think that, you know, a lot of times I talk about this idea of like burning the boats, you know, and I've heard this many, many, many times. And I'm not a huge fan of burning the boats at the beginning mm. of any endeavor. Why? And, you know, it actually, actually it's like when you when you read the story about Cortez in the 1500s, where this actually came from, right, uh, right. he was told by Spain that if you aren't successful and you come home, we will try we will hang you for treason. So like his choice was was fight or death. And I think it does make for a good T-shirt, right, for entrepreneurs. <laughs> But like anytime you're doing something new, I don't really believe that we should put ourselves in a position of like either we win or we die, hmm. you know, but at a certain point, once you've once you have gotten feedback and you've got a seven figure business, it's OK to go all in. Like I'm a huge fan of, of going all in at a certain point once you've gotten you know hmm. feedback that this is the right path for me. Um, and I, I do I, I want to ask you a little bit about. You've mentioned a couple things that it's important to invest in your business and you want to get to these eight fig this eight figure mark. What and I I guess what is the significance of eight figures to you? Would you be happy with, you know, uh 9,999,000 or is it like what is significant about eight figures? Does it have more to do with your own personal growth or does it is there some like uh level of financial significance to that number? I know, isn't that crazy? And it's a uh... You know, I had one of my good buddies, um, he's doing, he's a killer eight real estate agent. And one of my really good friends, he was, a, he was at my wedding and he, and, um, our last year's goal was 2 million. He's like, and then I said, but the next year is going to be X. Right. And, um, he's like, well, what's wrong with 2 million? Just, just stay at 2 million. You know, this <laughs> is like, and again, it really just doesn't come down to the number. It really just kind of comes down to, I want to make sure I got this goal and I want to better myself to know that I accomplished it. So I guess when you say eight figures, I want to see us um, get a, you know, have a $10 million business within probably two years from now. And I think, I think it could be possible with the right um, leader, right coaching and mentor. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to make sure that my family is never has to worry about money um, that we have specific things that, and to be selfish too, to, um, there are some material things that I would like to have, you know, that I never had. I grew up in, I grew up in a rough area when I, uh, you know, uh, when I grew up and I didn't have much single mom. Right. And there are a few things that I would like to have. Like I want a TRX uh, Ram. Right. <laughs> and not worry about it and pay and pay for it cash. Uh, yep. I want to use the, those funds to um, possibly lend, you know, be a private lender. I want to be, um, I want to start our own a rental portfolio. Cause my next, you know, after that goal, I want to, you know, get as many rentals as possible. I, obviously I think all of us want to have a, not all of us, but I want to have a, about a hundred probably, you know, doors on um, and knowing that that's going to be its whole business in itself. Me and my wife have a vision that, uh, and we're already kind of starting on it is that being his own business, making those team players and, and already kind of focusing on that and how that's going to run and stuff. So but we're excited because here's the thing, you know, we we're young, right? So I'm 34 and, um, and I've lived a, an amazing life, seen the entire world, been in service, save people's lives, did some pretty cool stuff. And, um, gosh, I mean, we got so many years ahead of us, right? Mm. Now I just feel like for me, it's to be the best dad, to be the best husband and 
And the cool thing is I was able to give my wife this freedom as well because she was at a job she didn't really like, but she was a, she was the head of it. She was a project manager there and stuff, but she was so happy to be able to have this freedom to kind of enjoy being a mother and being at home and to make our own rules. And, and I, and we got to give that to her and I thought, and she's the best wife because we were, she was there prior to us making money. She was there when I was in debt took my risk. Actually, she was the first person I had told her. I said, Hey, I got this $5,000 coaching program about wholesaling. She had no idea what that was. And you know what she said? She said, go ahead, dude. I know you did your research. And I did. And like I said, two months later, we made 20 grand. And now, you know, three years later, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good and we get to see, we get to see each other every single day. And it's the most beautiful thing I've, I've, I could ever live, you know, to, to be working hand in hand with my wife. Um, she is literally my best friend. And she, I mean, she should be on this podcast because she is an incredible, intelligent person as I, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to get here and I wouldn't be able to get to where I'm going if it wasn't for her. Mm. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you yet, but, uh, I think that the, well, a couple of things is the eight figures represents something for you, obviously. Right. It's a, and there's no judgment with any of this stuff, right? You want the TRX, you want the private Island, you want the private plane, like no, no judgment on any of that. I think the point is, is it just takes clarity, like get clear on what you're actually trying to accomplish here because business is a tool. Now, with that being said, uh, what I've been what I've been articulating lately about my own solvable problem is that I want to get I play a lot of pickup basketball. In fact, nice. uh, in an, in a you know uh, Steve and I have a podcast here shortly, but uh, when I get done with that, I'm gonna go hit the gym, and play with my buddies. There right? you go. And I've been saying, wouldn't it be really cool if I could play business the same way I play pickup basketball? What I mean by that is like, man, I love. So you and I are, are a little bit different in the sense that you want to run a very large team. You want to go after this big, you know, audacious goal. And I think that's, it's incredible. You're playing your game. You know, my game is, is like, I don't really want to show up for practice. Like, I don't want to have to do anything. Um, <laughs> I want to be able to show up and play pickup basketball. Now, when I'm in the game, like if I'm playing all out, like I'm playing hard, trying to win that game. But when I walk off the court, like whether I won or lost that pickup basketball game has absolutely no bearing on my mental state, right? I just like to play because I like to play. And so I'm designing my life around a scenario where I can stop and start. I can play when I want to. Hmm. Of course, I'm going to play really hard when I'm in the game. I like I owe that to my teammates. But uh, it's I think it just comes back to clarity. You've got to know what your game is. And we're going to differ 100%, on that. You know 100%. what I mean? No, a hundred percent. One thing that, and I got, I got what your analogy was. So, and another thing too, is what I love is with business. It, it really is a game. I look at it as a game. It's kind of like what Alex Ramosi says is right. It's, it's a game. You know I mean? I enjoy trying to build something. It's it literally, I'm just taking blocks, learning blocks. And I put them in place to make this like, so I can look back and say, Look, look what we built. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm in this 24 seven and being obsessed with it. And, and yet I got to show up right to, to be that leader, but it's because I see it. I see just this as a game. I'll be honest. I don't play basketball. I don't, um, um, I don't do any of that right now. And because I, you know, I am focused on this 
And, but it, because this is my game, this is my pickup basketball, right. To, 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 to close a deal, to ring that bell, to learn a new strategy, to create a system and process. That's my game. I love it, man. And, uh, and clearly you're playing your game because it's, it's, it's shown in the success that you had in your business. So let's shift gears a little bit and start talking about some like tactical stuff that you're doing inside your business. And, you know, one of the frameworks that we talk a lot about in this show is the barbell framework, this whole concept of, you know, getting things out of the middle, things that have maybe, yeah, it has a high upside, but it also has a really high downside. And so for those who aren't familiar with this framework, we describe it as on one side, we want to have very reliable sources of, of it, whether that's income or, you know, in this case, we're talking about business. So we're talking about income, right? So reliable ways to earn capital. But then on the other side, we might be exploring other new strategies. Maybe it's looking at different rental markets. Maybe it's saying, hey, we're going to expand our business potentially into another area. Or maybe we want to add in another marketing channel, or maybe I'm going to consider bringing on, you know, a dispo department or something like this. Anytime you're doing something new, it falls on the upside side of the barbell. And you have a very, like, you have a lot of clarity in what you're doing. Like you have a very specific business and you're not, you're not filling the, the barbell with all these other things like me, you know, I've got developments on one side and whale club and all this blockchain stuff. And then over here, I've got rentals and things like this, but you're very focused. So how does the barbell look for your particular business? And what, what have you allocated on the reliable side? And what are you sort of exploring on the upside? No, fantastic. Now, again, me being in this business three years, I thought I was going to be a fireman until I died, right? Um, I would even be at the fire department and be like, you know, because I looked at the chief, right? And I, I said, do because you know, I switched myself in my mind with his position, and I said, "Would I be happy doing that?" And obviously, the answer was no. And I'm glad everything happened the way it did, and now I'm here. So, been doing this for three years. Um, I know there's we're gonna be we're gonna be loading some more plates on this barbell um, as time goes on, without a doubt. You know, I mean, we're we're looking at being in this business 20, 30, 40 years on, and however long I live, I always tell people I'm not looking. I'll never retire, right? The moment you retire, you die. When you, you know, once you get that, when you, that, once that mind stops going, right? So at this moment, um, my reliableness is, um, yeah, my wholesome business, right? Um, and that is, I mean, this whole episode, this whole episode was talking about that, really um, focusing on that. Um, it's pretty steady right now, but the risk are, I would, I guess you could say on the other upside is by pushing those limits, right? Um, pushing up to, to build that team. Um, to get to us to that next revenue goal. Um, also, um, we have a podcast that we just started, um, the Real Estate Block Podcast. You were just on it. Uh, fantastic guest as well. Uh, but we started this podcast because we saw people struggling in the business, in the real estate business, and we wanted to make sure that people had other people to reach out to in case they had any struggles. For example, one of our questions is, um, how do you get through, how do you think that you're going to get through this recession and come out the other side? So I like to get people to really speak on what they've been um, thinking about on how to get through it. My answer has always been what our great, amazing person, Leon Barnes, um, told us in one of his rooms. The one time I was, I was able to be there and that was, you know, this is the time to be in your business. Um, make sure you lower cost. And so we could get out the other side. And that's exactly what I did. I was 
fully on in our business. Um, um, just head ground, uh, he head to the ground, locked up a bunch of contracts. And now I'm starting to slowly get out of it again, where I'm able to sit in that owner's box. And it's been fantastic. But I've, I would say that those things, and also to be the best dad I can be, because I think we all have a little parental uh, parent guilt every once in a while when you're focused on one thing and you want to make sure you're, you're there for your kids and doing fun things. Um, I had a pretty cool, um, thing I did the other day, um, did a little daddy, daddy daughter day. And we'll probably do that. Um, at least once a month where me and my little girl just went to go out, um, went to like an arcade, took her out to dinner and, uh, oh, she had a, she had a blast. Um, got her some flowers, did a whole like actual date. Right. And, um, and I'm always taking her to things. That's the cool thing about this business. I mean, not even thinking about money. I mean, we go to the coolest things. Um, and it's not to brag or anything like that, but it's, it's a, it's a blessing where we've got to work our butts off. Me and wife got to work our butts off and to go to be able to do these cool things for our kids. Uh, we go to trips, we go to hotels She and she, she gets to experience all that. And we always tell, <laughs> we always tell her that she is not going to know what a line is because every time we go to like some amusement <laughs> park, uh, we go, we do like the the VIP or whatever it is. Fast be, pass thing. Yeah. The fast pass, because I think we all know, especially as we get older, we do not want to be in lines. <laughs> That's true. So, well, I mean, I, so people make the barbell too complicated. Sometimes I think that they they're, they're like, Oh, we have to do all these different things. You've created a barbell inside of your own business. You've got the reliable systems, but you're also looking at growth, right? So mm -hmm. earlier we were talking about ping ponging sort of back and forth. That's the barbell. Right. You're either on one side, you're building additional reliability or you're focused on how do we grow the business. But it's not like you're you're trying to grow something that that hasn't been uh, tested thoroughly. Right? right. That is, I think, where a lot of people make their mistakes is they're trying to make some you know new initiative uh, that you've barely done anything with all of a sudden part of the overall business strategy, right? you got to move it into reliability first before you start adding additional upside. And you just do that so, you know, just so well, clearly with what you're doing in your business. Um, so thanks for sharing all that. Let me, let me ask you this. What is a, something you'd like to leave the listeners with in terms of like a, the greatest lesson maybe you've learned in business or a, a lesson you've learned lately through this transition that we've seen in the market, what's something you'd like to leave everyone with? I think we kind of, I would like to give something new and impressive and give some awe effect, but I feel like that this whole episode was exactly what I would leave anybody with. And that is be obsessed on what you want to do. Make sure you have that solvable problem. Why? And then make sure you focus on one thing until you lean that, um, on that one side of the barbell of, you know, kind of like a low risk side, but make sure you focus with one thing on it. And that's what I would like to leave anybody listening to this. That was the theme of this podcast. And I'm glad you finished with that and didn't try to come up with some random new thing, because that is the key, uh, right. That I'm hearing from you over and over. It's get good at that really one thing, build it reliable, um, and then figure out what you want to do from there. Right. Uh, well said. So, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, we encourage you to use the investor frame. So knowing what you know now and all the things that Aaron has shared about staying focused on the most important thing, what changes do you need to make in your business or your life uh, so that you can get closer to the things that you want? Thank you again, Aaron, for coming on with me today. For everybody else, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much, Paul.